words to you here right there. We thank you that it's your good pleasure to come and to meet with us and be with us. We're so thankful for you, Jesus. There's nothing that's worth, nothing that compares. There's truly nothing that compares. I pray that you let us settle that in our hearts. confident in the power in the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit we rest our hope fully on that the cleansing power of the blood we rest our hope fully on that Jesus let us be a people that don't know much but we know that the gospel comes in power let us be people that just simplify our hearts that we could preach Christ and Him crucified. Father, let us be people that have our faith in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. Faith in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. We rest our faith fully in that. Let us be that people. Father, we answer the call. Father, let there be no shadow of a doubt in our hearts in any area. Thank you, Father, that you're removing any bit of unbelief in our hearts. You're burning up any bit of unbelief in our hearts in any area where we see you clearly. ask that we be people in this place that go forth and bring fire places. Father, we ask that we be people in this place, that there's people in this place, Father, that you are lighting on fire to impact and to start fires elsewhere. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you do what you always do that you change men and women and you send them to change places and situations. Father, we pray that we align our hearts with your heart. Holy Spirit, we ask that you 
you separate and call people to go and that we be a church that's minded and mindful of that. That's what we ask for, Jesus. We ask that we align ourselves with your heart and your passion. We ask that your passion become our passion, that your eyes become our eyes. That what what actually drives you to do what you do, I pray that that happens in our hearts. That it drives us to do what we do. That we be ones that are compelled and pursued or pursue people by love. Because we've been pursued by love. Father, I pray that you ruin people for anything less. Pray that we do not settle for anything less. That's what we ask for, Jesus. We ask that people be touched near and far because of the people in this room. We ask that people be discipled near and far because of the people in this room. We ask that the gospel be preached near and far because of the people in this room. And that's what we ask for, Jesus. Let us be a part of your plan in this earth. Whatever it takes for us to get there, Father, whatever needs to be pruned and whatever needs to be changed, let us be that. We welcome it. can have a seat. There's no easy way to end that. Thank you, worship team. That was fire. There we go. We don't have any time. I feel like What Jared was talking about, um, is really relevant to us. Like, I feel like there needs to be a, a heart posture of, like we were talking about, where if we don't understand what the blood has done, we don't understand what Jesus has accomplished. We hear we hear a word of prophecy come about fire and about the where he just consumes you like that should just a little bit bother you if you don't understand that right like doesn't that convict you a little bit that that might be possible and we don't know that or we haven't experienced it and I'm just trying to stir us to that it's like when we see things you need to realize that that's available for you and it's not going to come it's not going to come here it's going to come back in your bedroom by yourself Right? Jesus is wetting your appetite and then he's taking you away and he's pulling you away. 
so that you experience it and you walk out and you're just like, everything is different about my life because of the, because of the relationship that you have walking with Jesus, right? Like we, we've been talking about discipleship and it's like, you understand, we are, we're called to make disciples of Jesus. And Jesus never, he's not dead anymore, he's alive. And any time that we believe anything less than that, then we start to put our hands in, in situations and hold weights that we're not supposed to hold, right? If I think that my, if I think that Tyler is, is limited to my revelation of Jesus and limited to my understanding of Jesus and limited to my knowledge of the scriptures, then he's limited, right? But Jesus is alive and he's here to pursue Tyler and I'm just partnering with him, right? So any bit of discipleship, any bit of pursuit that I'm not pushing people to his feet, then it just, it's, it's not true discipleship because we're making disciples of Jesus, not disciples of me. But I think, I, I think that there needs to be an understanding of like, he is available when there's nobody around and you can have all of Jesus that you want and you have all of Jesus that you want, right? Like we just need to settle in our hearts. Like we have all of him that we want right now and you can have more if you want more. But like, it, it, it comes down to, and I'm not trying to be mean, it just comes down to we, we have all of him that we want. And if you want more, like there's more, there's always more. But we need to settle in our hearts, and that's why it's like we sit and I ask the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I want to be more hungry. I want to be, like we were, Jared was telling me about uh, a guy that was a, a missionary in, I don't know if he's a missionary, he's from China, but he's, he's part of the underground church in China, and he's in prison. And he, his wife would, how did you say? He would, she would roll up pieces of the Bible, bake it in bread, because she got to come visit him every once in a while and give him, so she'd give him bread, and he'd pull out the bread. He knew that there was pages of the scriptures in the Bible. He'd pull them out, write them on his body, so that they got taken, and then he'd memorize them so that it wouldn't get stolen. And it's like, or that he wouldn't, it wouldn't get taken from him, because he'd memorize them, and it's in his heart, and they can't take his heart, right? And then he's sitting there in this panel at this church, and they're talking, and they're like, what do you want? Like, well, ask Jesus for anything. And he's like, I want, a, I want more of a hunger for the word. <laughs> Jared's like, there's not anybody in here that loves the word more than you do right now. Like, there's nobody in here. And he's just like, that's what I want more of. Because in the kingdom, like, you can eat, but you'll, ne you'll never be satisfied, right? You can be satisfied, but then still be hungry. And it's just a weird dynamic of what Jesus does. It's like the more you eat, the hungrier you get, right? In the world, you eat, you're full. That's not how it works with Jesus. You can be full, but then you're still starving. And you want more. I want to I show us something. Look at Matthew chapter 16. But I think a lot of us need to change our perspective and ultimately just repent of false ideas false false teaching and false thought processes like like what Courtney said is that some people have special dust and some people don't like we need to repent that we don't believe that we have the fullness of Jesus and we have him available to us right like I remember the Lord said he's like I was asking him about it and it's like the fact that we struggle to I'm just gonna say it straight Michelle's in here, not in here but she can butter it up later um the fact that we struggle to read our Bibles and spend time with Jesus is we don't believe that we're going to encounter the, the God of the universe, right? Like, somewhere in our hearts, we don't believe that it's available for us. It might be available for me, Tyler, somebody else, but it's not available for me. That if I shut my door, it's not available for me. 
right? That's plain and simple, or you would go, right? If you believe that, if you, and it's crazy, because, like, he's constantly pursuing us. He's constantly inviting us, and he's constantly knocking and, and asking. And it's like, he wants, because all he wants you to do is just come away, right? He wants us to come away. And if we come away, then we'll start to see him truly who he is. Like, I've just been, <clears throat> I've just been really, like, comforted in the fact that I can't reveal anything or teach anything well without the person of the Holy Spirit. It's been something that the Lord's been showing me a lot, and it's just really freeing to me. It's like, you're never going to get it if, you don't, if he doesn't show it to you. That's really freeing to me. Like, because I think sometimes it's like, if I say this really well, then they're going to understand it, and then they'll finally see it. And that's not the case at all, Right? But if we open our, like Jared, and that's why it's so, that script, what you, like that prophecy or that tongue and interpretation and the prophecy both, but that's why it's so important for us to understand is he's the one that reveals. He's the one. And if you resist him, you're not going to get it. Right? That's crazy. Right there, I was just reading, like, right before that happened, I was asking the Lord, and he's like, Steph, or, uh, I was going to say Stephanie, Stephan, Stephen, <laughs> um, Stephen in Acts chapter 7 he tells the people, he preaches, and he says, you stiff-necked people. He's like, you, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, that's what he's, he's not saying you're resisting me or rejecting me. or You're, you're resisting the Holy Spirit because he's working in your heart. And that's what he wants. He wants you to open, your, open the door for him. And that's all it takes is just you to open the door, and then he'll come in and do what he does. That's crazy that we can resist him, right? And then it won't be, it, but it's equally as crazy and super amazing that it's available. And all we have to do is welcome him. Right? Like, we always look at things from a negative perspective. You realize that the God of the universe is available to you. Like, the Lord has been teaching me, and this is why, oh, there's Michelle. Michelle, you're here to butter things up. Um, but the Lord has been teaching me a lot, and this is why, like, I don't feel any bit bad about preaching this, preaching this stuff, because I've, like, the Lord has been teaching me this for two, for two months, three months, or whatever. It's like, I'm not at any place like above anybody I'm here like getting drawn in just the same and it's really freeing you know so it's like I don't feel bad about talking about what I'm about to talk about and because it's he's convicts me of the same thing and it's so it's so often that we it's so often that we have all the knowledge and we have all the understanding but we don't actually understand or know anything right we can answer all the right things and we can say all the right things but we don't have the experience or we don't have the actual conviction to walk, that, that we're walking it out. That's what Jesus wants, right? He wants you to live it. Like he's, one of our values in Jesus' church is Christ-likeness. It's a value. It's what we value. We believe that everybody can look like Jesus because that's what he says, right? He says, follow me. He says, those who believe in him ought to walk just as he walked, right? If you're a son of God, then you should look like your father, Right? If he lives on the inside of you, then you should look like him. We, we value Christ-likeness. It's not a rule. It's a value. Right? We value the person of Jesus, and, and he's my model. So if I pursue him, Tyler can't get mad at me and will say, well, Dylan, you don't do this. It's not about me. It's about him. Right? This is how he would look. This is how he would act. This is how he would think. And he's my model, and he's what I'm pursuing. And we're, we're making disciples of Jesus, not disciples of Dylan. Right? That's why it's so freeing for me to talk because he's, he's the answer, right? It's not about whether or not, like, I don't understand your situation. I just know he does, and I know that this is how he would act if he was in your situation, right? And that's what I mean is we have to understand 
and think about it and go, okay, it's available for me. And, if it's a, and this is what I said at the very beginning of all this, is like we have to believe it's possible. If we believe it's possible, then we'll, be, then we'll actually pursue it with all our heart. With all our heart. But we, sometimes, like, I believe that's why the Lord spoke that. It's like sometimes we believe that God's not giving good gifts. We don't, we don't really believe his nature well. We think that we're going to pursue something that's not available for us, and you can't have faith for something that God, God doesn't promise. And if you are unsure of whether it's available for you, you won't have faith for it either. Does that make sense? If I don't, if I don't know for a fact that, let's just say I want to look like Jesus in my relationship with my wife, if I don't know for a fact that it's available for me, then I can't pursue it with faith. Because I'll think maybe or not, and I'll try to, but it, if it doesn't work out, if, if I'm struggling to walk in it, whatever it looks like, I'll just go, I'll back off because it's like, oh, it must not be available. It must be true. But if I believe without a shadow of a doubt that it's possible for me and that it's God's heart to give it to me and make me into that image, then I know that the only answer is whether or not I pursue it. Right? I have faith for something. You have faith for what God promises. And what's amazing is even in all his promises and all his commands, there's always the grace to perform the command. Does that make sense? You have to understand that, that when God calls you to something, he's not calling you to something that you can't do. Does that make sense? Like Jesus says, hey, I want you to follow me. And then they're just like, they're following him. And he's not laughing at them saying, why are you trying to be like me? I'm me. I'm the son of God. You can never be like me. But that's the way that our theology actually thinks sometimes. Right? Jesus isn't looking at his disciples and saying, well, how, why are you even trying? Well, you asked us to follow you. And what it means to follow you is to be, follow a rabbi is to look just like him. Luke chapter 6, verse 40, it says, he who is perfectly trained will be just like his master. That's what Jesus is talking about. Somebody who's perfectly trained will look just like his master, and you won't be able to tell the difference. Right? But Jesus isn't sitting there laughing at us when we're pursuing something and we're not seeing it. He's encouraging you. That's why every time that you come, every time that you pursue him, he's going to reveal himself a little bit more to you, and he's going to bring you in a little bit more. But here's the key, and this is what I want us to talk about, is the key is actually letting go and dying. That's the key. Is you actually have to want it and die to it, and die to what you think you were right about, or where you think you were, or what you used to be, if you want to look like him. Like, the Christian life is, is 100% absolutely impossible in every sphere of, of the, every, every area of, of Christianity. Like, none of it is able to, absolutely zero, zero part of Christianity is available for you to do in your own strength. There's not one thing that you can do in your own strength in Christianity. And we think that, what we think is there's some things we can do in our own strength and then some things we need help with. And that's not the case. Right? Apart from him, you are 100% wicked and your, your, your righteous acts are actually filthy rags to him. Right? The, the good things that you do are still filthy rags to God, which is crazy and freeing. Right? That's not, that's not condemning at all. That's just like, hey, apart from me, you can do nothing. No thing. Right? Jesus says in John chapter 15, apart from me, unless you abide in me and I in you, or if you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. And then we're just like, yeah, but some things we can do in our own strength. Right? And he says, apart from me, you absolutely can do nothing. That's super awesome. That's super, super awesome. Because what that does is it opens the door, say, okay, all I got to do is be with you and abide with you and I'll bear much fruit then. Right? Something happens to people when they just start spending time with Jesus. And it's not their own striving that got them there. Right? Like I was, I've been, 
really asking the Lord and like seeking him and praying. And I'm like, Lord, I want to be like, I want to share you and I want to manifest you in the earth, which is his calling and his goal for everybody. But I want that and I want it to not be my effort because I've done it in my own strength and my own effort. And one of the things I think about like sharing the gospel is you can tell very quickly if somebody is doing it from a sincere heart or just doing it because it's obligation, right? You can tell if somebody is pouring in, like if I'm pursuing Tyler and I'm sharing Jesus with Tyler, he can tell very quickly if it's from a, if it's from a pure motive, right? But here's the thing, you can't have a pure motive outside of him. I, I can't do it, I can only do it from my own strength unless I do it abiding in him, right? Like I had a situation this week and I was sharing with a guy, um, I'm just trying to be, courteous but like I sat and talked to him for like two hours and just shared Jesus with him and prayed for him and like it was just fire and I'm I was just like sitting there and I'm just like man Lord I'm so thankful and I just told him I said Lord I appreciate that this is the first fruits of what I asked for like this is what and I've shared the gospel and I preached and I prayed for people on the streets I've done a lot and I've done a lot of it in my own strength and what's what's crazy is like (laughs) sometimes we're doing things in our own strength and God moves, and it's not your fault, it's just him, and then we think it's us because we did something, and we're judging it, like, oh, well, that's because we did this much work, and it's like, no, you didn't do that much work, God's just super gracious and loves on hell, and that's why that happened, right, it's actually not your, it's not your ability, but I was like, for like, I'm sitting in the, talking to this guy, and I'm just like, this is just pure, like, I got nowhere to go, and I'm thankful I'm here, and I get to be witness to this person, and none of it was striving, and it was just super good answers all the time coming out of me. And the dude's like, it's like you're unlocking things. He literally said, it's like you're opening up cans in my heart. And I'm like, that's because I'm asking Jesus, and he knows you. Like, I'm just super confident. I'm just like, 100%. I know exactly where you're at, and I can see it. But I'm sitting there because I'm pursuing something in secret when there's nobody around, and Jesus is rewarding me openly, like Matthew chapter 6 says. Right? And it's not my striving. Like, I think that we just need to settle in our hearts. Like, we can pursue and work for something in the sense of work from rest and work because it's available for us. There's a difference between working for something and working because you have something. Okay? There's a difference between striving to get something and striving to walk in something because it's available for you and it's yours. Does that make sense? I don't think it does. Maybe to Amy, but that's it. Um, No. It's like, it's like this, okay? Jesus calls his disciples to walk with him. And he says, I'll make you fishers of men. Right? That's what, he t- that's what he tells Peter. He's like, I'll make you a fisher of men. You understand, Peter had to let go of his old identity mindset mentality of who he used to be. He did not know how to get there. And it might have been work for him to actually lay things down and let things go. But he knew that the answer was the person walking with him. Because Jesus says, I'm the one that's going to make you that. So all Jesus has to, or all Peter's got to do is goes, okay, I might not know how to get there and I don't have to strive for it. All I got to do is just stay close with you. Right? I remember the Lord showed me this picture a long time ago. Not a long time ago. I guess it was in, what is this, January? Maybe, I don't remember when it was, in the summer, in the summer probably. And I felt like where Jesus Church was going, like with our Lord's table and stuff like that, I felt like we were in a crowded room, and I felt like I just had Jesus' like 
robe, and I was a little kid, and I'm like, I don't see anything, and I can't, I'm not tall enough to even know where we're going, but I'm just holding on really tight to you, and that's what I'm like, that's a really good way to lead, <laughs> I feel like, and it's like, I'm just grabbing onto him, and we're walking through the crowd, and I'm just not going to let go, right, don't know where we're going, I can't even see, and it's a ton of people, and everything looks really crazy, but I'm grabbing onto you, and if anyone else wants to hang on to me, they can, but I'm holding on to him, right, and it's like, that's a healthy way to live, because I don't believe that I know what I'm doing at all, right, like, it's so funny. People would be like, how did you Jesus church? And I'm just like, I don't know. I'd have no idea what we're doing to this day. Every, every day I'm sitting here on my knees. Jared's like, what? I don't know. But I know him and I'm thankful, right? I always tell Tay, it's not about what you know, it's who you know. And that's the kingdom. As I, don't, I don't know anything, but I know him. So that makes me know everything. So look at this. Um, verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Philippi, verse, or Matthew 16, did I tell you that? Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Or who do, sorry, who do men say that, that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Okay, pause. Um, are any of those right? Right? Are any of those right? It's not a trick question. None of those are right. That's not who Jesus is. He's not Elijah. He's not a prophet. Or he's not one of the prophets. He is the Son of God. He's the, he's the Messiah, the one that, that was supposed to come, that's going to lead us back to a relationship with, Jesus, with God. Right? But Jesus is asking the guys that are closest to him, he says, who, do the men, who, does, who does the crowd say that I am? You understand the crowds are experiencing what the disciples are experiencing also. They're seeing the healings. They're seeing the miracles. They're seeing inc- stuff that... I'd love to sit in. You know what I mean? They're watching it all happen. And they're saying all these things. And then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Right? And what, is, what does Peter say? Simon Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Then he goes on to making him the pope and all that. But... Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, I'm just. I'm just totally just joking. That's what people say to me all the time. Um, <laughs> that's funny. But he says, "Who do men say that I am?" And they say some. The, some John the Baptist. Some the prophet. You know. Some Elijah. Some Jeremiah. Um, but he's like, "Who do you say that I am?" And then this is what's crazy. Is it says that. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to Peter, but the Father who is in heaven revealed it to Peter. And here's the thing is you'll never get a revelation and understanding of Jesus from just the crowd. Right? You can be one of the crowds the rest of your life and you'll never have a true understanding of Jesus. Because you have to get it from, from the Father. You have to get it from the person of the Holy Spirit. You can come all day long and encounter Jesus all day long on, on a Sunday gathering in Jesus' church, and you'll only have a little picture of him, and you won't truly understand who he is. Right? That's why, like, like mentorship, discipleship, like what we're going to talk about, like pursuing discipleship, you can only have a small fraction of Jesus if you don't take it and spend time with him by yourself, if you don't let the Holy Spirit teach you. Right? Because I can only teach you so much. I don't know everything. I'm not even going to pretend like I do. It's like, 
I can only teach you so much. And then from there, if you don't take it and run with it and go spend time with him, it'll actually never become revelation to you. I've had people like Simon, you know what I mean? But I've had people like Simon come and tell me things that the Lord's revealed to them, and I've told him that for, for three years. I'm just kidding. I'm not Simon personally. But I've had that happen. Has anyone ever had that happen? You've been telling somebody something for a long time, and then they're like, holy cow, the Lord. Anyone that's been in ministry knows that. It's like, Jesus just taught me this. And I'm like, praise God, Jesus taught you that. I'm super thankful. I said that for you literally for three years. And it's like, and I'm not mad about it at all because I know that I can't, I can't teach you. That's, I wasn't trying to get you to, I guess I was. Sometimes I get frustrated because I'm trying to teach somebody. Like Taya, I'm trying to teach her all these things. And it's like, she doesn't, Taya and me are the worst at this. Because I'll come back, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, the Lord told me I need to wear my seatbelt. She's like, I've literally been telling you that for, like, since we got married. And I'm like, yeah, but I know you said that, but I feel like the Lord really convicted me that, like, I need to obey the laws of the land. And he's just like, she's like, I've literally said that to you. Or I'm like, I heard this other person, and I feel like the Lord was just convicting me on it. And I'm just like, I do it to her all the time. She does it to me all the time, too, like. I give her so many good things to say. Like, I tell her amazing things all the time. Like, she has a wealth, a wealth of knowledge in her house all the time, and she just rejects it. You know what I mean? Like, she's a stiff-necked woman. Um, I'm, just, I'm just joking. Anyone that knows, look at all her friends right here. They're all laughing. No, I'm just kidding. She's not like that. Um, she's actually really humble. She's more humble than anybody I've ever met. So, but she... Uh, she does, like, there is things, like, there's things that the Lord's told me just to not say, because I'm like, the Lord will teach her, and, she'll, and the Lord will reveal it, and I'm just like, praise God, that's it, because that's what she needs, right? Like, she doesn't need Dylan's relationship with Jesus. Remember when we were dating, the Lord said, hey, you, you've become Holy Spirit to her, and you've actually limited her growth, and I'm like, I'm sitting there like, holy cow, this is the scariest thing that ever happened to me. I don't want that. So I texted her, I'm done telling you anything. <laughs> I was just like that. And she had one of the most incredible encounters with the Lord, that, like either that night or the next day that literally like shaped her in her walk. And it was all like, it was like exponential growth because I was trying to like, I'm like, I'm going to marry this girl. So I need to make sure that she's great. Like more than she is, you know what I mean? And she was great when I met her, but I'm just saying hundred percent what I was thinking. I'm like, she's going to live with me forever. Then I'm going to like give her everything that I think that needs to be done. Right. And when I just take my hands off the wheel, Holy Spirit, we're all laughing, but you'll do the same thing when you meet your girl. You know what I'm saying? And the Lord will convict you the same way he convicted me, Nathaniel. But we do it. We do it, all, we do it with our kids, right? We do it with our kids. We do it with people that we love because we love people, right? So you're like, I want them to see. Like I was thinking about Valor. I'm like, I want him to live a life that's worthy of the gospel. Well, I'm going to make sure that that happens. And I can't do that right? It's going to come a point where he's going to have to walk with Jesus and decide whether he wants to encounter him. All I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that he's in every atmosphere that he encounters him, right? That's my job. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to pursue him, and I'll teach him, and I'll share true truth with him, but unless the Holy Spirit anoints my lips and touches his heart and convicts his heart, it's not going to land anywhere, right? That's what, Je that's what Jesus is saying. He's, he's like, unless you go and sit with me when there's nobody around, you'll never have the true revelation of me, right? He's like, somewhere along the line, the, the father, look at me, I'm spitting, I'm so fired up. The father revealed something to Peter, and he knows that he's the Christ. He's like, you're the one that we've all been waiting for. And then he strictly warns him not to tell anybody. It's just crazy, because Jesus is like, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be. That's why, like, that's why you think about, like, that's why the Lord does weird things. 
That's why he does pro- prophecy in tongues and interpretation. Because he doesn't, he's not trying to be, he's not just like, hey, anybody can come just check it out. He wants you to press in. Right? He wants you to have faith. He wants you to seek him when there's nobody around. He wants you to be like, what does that mean? Right? And what's crazy is if you're seeking Jesus and you know Jesus and you're spending time with Jesus, it all makes perfect sense to you. <laughs> you're like, well, that makes perfect sense. I've been praying for that for years. Like, it all makes perfect sense to you. Things that are super hard to swallow makes perfect sense to you. Right? Like, if I'm God, I'm not going to be, I'm not God at all. And if, I'm, if I am, I'm not doing tongues and interpretation. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But it makes sense to God. Right? It makes sense to me now in, my, in the spirit. In the flesh, it doesn't make any sense to just say something in a different language that nobody knows and have to trust that somebody else can get the interpretation. But God wants to trust his body. He wants you to have faith, you to have faith, and all of us to have faith that it's God speaking. That's what he wants. Right? He wants you to seek him. He doesn't want you to just walk in and go, there's the answer. I'll take that and I'll leave because you don't need him. Right? It's incredible. It's powerful. That's what he does. Right? Jesus resurrects from the dead and he walks with the two, two men on the road to Emmaus and it says he revealed himself in the scriptures. Jesus is walking in the flesh with these two guys, resurrected from the dead. All he has to say is, bro, why are you tripping? I'm alive. That's all he has to say. But he doesn't choose that. He says, from, it says, from Moses to the prophets, he revealed himself in the scriptures. Right? So what's Moses? The first five books, the law, the prophets is everything else in the Old Testament. He's saying, hey, I'm about to give you a little bit of a history lesson, and I'm going to preach the entire Bible to you as we walk. And you're sitting there like, them dudes are like, did not our hearts burn within us because Jesus is revealing himself in the Old Testament, which is incredible. Right? He's just like, hey, I was the boat that, so, that saved Noah from the, from the wrath of God. I was Joseph that saved his brothers from despair and, and, and poverty, right? I was Moses leading them out of Israel. I was, he's going right through. He's just like, this is the Christ. He's revealed in the Old Testament, and he must suffer. And they're just like, holy cow. And their faith, their faith is in the scriptures, and then Jesus reveals himself to them, and then they're like, holy cow, he's alive, right? It's because when they got to a place to where they understood, and Jesus is walking them, He's walking with them, and then in the breaking of bread, something that does, that's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't make any sense that Jesus just goes and breaks bread and pours wine, and he says, and then they're like, oh my gosh, that's him. And then he's gone, vanishes, which is also incredible. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's incredible. Like, like, I love Nathaniel said it in pre-service prayer. He's like, baptism is a prophetic act of what actually happens to you. He goes, it's not just you doing this. It's actually something in the, there's something that happens in the spirit realm that you actually become somebody brand new, right? Like I, nothing, there's no, there's, there is absolutely no power in, in Anhill going, hey, I want Jesus, except for faith, something in the unseen happens and then power comes and changes him into a different person before my eyes. I don't understand it and I'm cool with it, right? We think that that makes, it's got to make a lot of sense to me, Right? How can this person that's completely wicked from the inside out get completely changed in one moment? I don't really care and don't really want to care. I'm fine with however he wants to do it, right? I'm fine with just all I got to do is preach it, and then I step out of the way, and I just let him do what he does, right? That's powerful to me. That's super freeing to me. Like, and then I just feel like we need to be in more of a place of just, like, trusting the Holy Spirit in us and in people, Trusting that the Lord's, a, like, in becoming, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. I've been talking with our guys about it. It's like, Jesus, and I know I'm all over the place, 
forgive me. It's 12 o'clock. Um, and my son got up at 3.30. So it's like, holy, Jesus says, he's like, hey, I have many things I need to teach you, but you can't bear them now. But how be it, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll teach you all things. And he'll bring to your remembrance all things that I've taught you. Jesus is teaching unrenewed men that are not born again for three years all these things, trusting, trusting that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it to them later because they can't understand it because it's spiritually discerned. Am I, am I being blasphemous? That's, that's exactly what he says, right? He says, unless you be born again, you can't even see the kingdom. And that's why they're just like, I don't understand why this is all going down like this. And they're like, you're the Christ. And it's because it's revelation knowledge. Right? So then he's saying, I'm going to pour all this truth into you, and then I'm going to trust that when I leave, Holy Spirit comes, he's going to make it all real to you. That's pretty awesome. And then he says, it's better that I go so that he comes. And he's saying, I have many things more that I need to teach you, but you're not going to understand them, and you can't really bear them right now because you need him. And you 12 guys are the answer for the kingdom of God to come into the earth. When I leave, I'm entrusting the kingdom of God to come in through you 12 guys and the person of the Holy Spirit, plain and simple. Isn't that incredible? And then he goes, it's better that I go. That's, the, that's Jesus. Like he ha Jesus has more faith in the Holy Spirit than we do, for sure. Right? Because I just think about like three years, three, three years, and he, I mean, he is the most incredible teacher that's ever walked the earth, and he's, an, he's amazing. So I understand that he did, he did a way better job than I would ever do. But I'm just thinking, like, he goes, I trust y'all. You got it. Now, don't screw it up. Right? Leaves. And they're just like, Holy Spirit comes, and they're just completely different people. And they've been with Jesus, and they continue to be with Jesus. And it says that Jesus continues to encounter them. He continues to, in, in secret place times, like, we, we read all the way through Acts. It's like, Paul was, Peter was praying. Paul was praying. Ananias was praying. Boom, boom. Holy Spirit comes. Jesus speaks, tells him to do this. And I'm just like, and we're sitting here trying to come up with a method on how to reach DeWitt. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we do. We're just like, how do we do that this way? And he's just like, what are we even asking here? You know what I mean? And I just want us to have more faith in the ability of God to encounter us and other people than our faith to, than in our faith to like learn and, and teach and grow and study and all that other stuff, Right? Like, I've just been, like, stirred and convicted. I didn't even get to talk about what I wanted to talk about, but we'll get there. I've been stirred and convicted to just, like, give myself and be confident in my relationship with the Holy Spirit more than my relationship with anybody else or anything else, right? And that doesn't come, yeah, I don't, let me finish this, and then I'll, that doesn't come, that doesn't come from a place of, because you'll never, you'll never pursue Jesus and become more prideful, right? So, like, a lot of times what people think is, like, my relationship with Jesus is, like, the end-all, be-all. And it's, like, you'll never pursue Jesus and become more prideful. You'll, you'll be very humble, and you'll be very open. And that's why, like, when we talk about discipleship, we have to start with spending time with Jesus and being with Jesus. But Jesus also gives us people in our lives to speak into our lives, right? Because what a lot of people do is this is what they'll say. They're like, well, I have Jesus. I don't need church. Well, I have Jesus. I don't need pastors. Well, I have Jesus. I don't need leaders. I have whatever. I have the Lord, and I'm like, and this is the problem, is when you spend a lot of time with Jesus by yourself, he starts to look like you, right? He starts to sound like you. And when you get around other people, you're like, that's kind of weird. And then if you're humble, 
you'll say, maybe I'm a little off in that area. Because Jesus, and this is what's so crazy, I was saying it to somebody, and I was like, that's the most incredible thing I've ever heard. Because um, I've never came up with it. But I was like, I was like, if you pursue, if you're submitted to a body of believers, and this is why discipleship is so important, if you're submitted to a body of believers, you're submitting yourself to the entirety of Christ. Because it's his body. But if you want just Jesus, then you, it's not that you're going to be lacking. You're just going to be lacking the entirety of it. Right? Because there's things, I say it all the time. There's things, I'm so thankful for a body. Like, I'm so thankful. Like, when people, when Jared's like, hey, we need prophecy, I'm like, I, I need it so bad. I, I just need it. I'm so hungry for it. Like, I need somebody to come and prophesy over me. I need that more than anything. And I'm, I'm not asking for it, but I need it more than anything. Right? Like, sometimes I'll just go to Jared Mr. Prophet, and I'll put a quarter in, grab his arm, pull it, say, I need a word, Jared. I need a word. No, people do that. They have ministries that, that do that. <laughs> but we need, it's like we say, okay, I'm going to take the finger, and I'm just going to be the best finger that I can be, but you're not connected in a body. And there's things that Jesus will literally hide in other people and won't teach you. And he'll only teach them so that you have to be humble and receive it from them. Maybe even people that you think don't understand as much as you do. Or maybe people that you think aren't as far along as you are. Because it'll keep you humble. That's what he's looking for. Right? That's why it's not just like when people, I can tell you people that are going to grow straight away. Because it's like you put somebody up to share and they're just like this. Like I'm just here. I'm, I'm going to receive whatever. And I don't know you and I don't, but I trust that God can speak through a donkey. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I remember one of the best words I ever got was from this lady that is absolutely, completely insane, and I do not trust her at all. 100%. I asked my, I asked my pastor, uh, and I was like, what do you do if you don't trust somebody's character? Um, but they shared, like, some prophetic stuff that you really is from the Lord. He goes, most prophetic people are characters. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, that's true. So he's like, don't worry about it. Elijah in the Old Testament is at the brook Cherith, and he's hungry, and God sends a what? A raven to come and bring food to him. A raven's an unclean bird. You know that. Right? In Jewish culture, a raven's an unclean bird. But so many times we reject the word of God, and we reject what he's doing because we don't like the package it comes in. Right? We don't like, well, I don't like the way that that happened like that. Or I don't like the way that God did it like that. Or I don't like that he used that person. And what we do is we just set up idols of a God that we want. Right? That's why Jesus said things that were super offensive and then they pressed into it. And they were like, I don't really know what that means, but I'm not going to go anywhere because you have the words of eternal life. Right? And that's what it means by being... Like, when, we're, when I'm talking about discipleship, when we're talking about pursuing Jesus, we start with our relationship with the Lord, but it doesn't end there. Like, I, I heard somebody say, it, it's like, we're found, we're found by a father, and we're fashioned in community and family. Right? Like, God finds you, but he wants to forge you and fashion you in a family, in a community, in believers, right? Because here's the thing, plain and simple, you'll never have to walk in any patience by yourself. Right? You're, you're super patient with yourself. Some of us aren't, but, like, that's because we get around other people, right? Like, I was just, like, this morning, it was just tough. Valerie was just a wild man. And I was just like, Lord, I know I'm supposed to talk about this today. And it's just, 
And he's just like, Dylan, did you think that crucifixion was supposed to be, like, nice? I'm like, no. He's like, do you think that dying to yourself was supposed to be fun and enjoyable? And I'm like, no. He's like, do you think that you needed patience when you don't need patience? I'm like, also no. So I just repent. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not above this. That's what I'm saying. I'm not above all this. It's like Jesus is, he's bringing us to a place of complete dependency on him. And it's like, he's inviting us into a life that pursue, that's pursuing him. Like, we're going to keep reading after, like, not today, but we're going to keep reading after this. It says, once they were revealed that he was the Christ, it says, immediately he started to teach them that he must suffer and die. And he's saying, this is what it looks like to follow me. It's called, it's called crucifixion. He goes on to say that anyone that desires to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Right? It's like what Tyler was talking about. It's like, you cannot bring your old self into your walk with Jesus. You can't bring your ideas of what you think is a good idea. And the moment that we start to lay them down, and what's so freeing to me is like Jesus is inviting us into a life of abundance and a life of everlasting life and joy inexpressible, right? And peace that passes all understanding. He's saying the way that you do that is you die so that you can live. The way that you do that is you lay aside what you think so that you can live, right? There's always freedom in death. Like any area you let God die in, or any area you die in, you let God live in. The, mo the moment that you keep living in it, he's in, he, he doesn't have any reins to rule. Right? Galatians 2, 20. What is it? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Christian life is a call to die and a, and a call to live. That's why water baptism is so key. It's because you are dying so that you can live. Everything that he was asking, he's asking you to give up everything so that you can live. He's asking you to give up who you were always, who you were never created to be so that you can be who you were always created to be. It's so crazy. It's like, like I said, pretty much where Ken and Linda are sitting, that's my, that was my family's pew when I was growing up. I'd sit and look at the ceiling and be like, I'm never going to preach. I promise you that. That's what I would say. Praise God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life, but I know I'm never going to preach so I can cross one thing off. Right? So I have to lay aside what my idea of myself is, and I have to die to it so that God can let me, so that he can live. Bro, you put me in front, you put a microphone in my hand, and I feel like a, you ever had a baby duck and put a baby duck in water for the first time? Has anyone ever raised ducks? Right? If you have a little, they're like a dollar from TSC if you want to. Um, they're, not, they're not a dollar anymore. But it's like you'd raise them, and they're in their little pen for this whole time, and you're playing with them and almost breaking their necks. And then you take them down, and you put them in the water. And it was like they've never been there. They've never seen water. But it's like you put a duck in water, and they're like, holy cow, this is what I was born to do, right? And they're like, it's actually hilarious how, how, fun they, how much fun they have in water. And that's what it is. It's because God's like, hey, I know who you were created to be. You just got to lay aside all the other stuff, right? Lay aside the stuff that you say that you're timid and shy, Lay aside the stuff that you say that you're not worth it. Lay aside the stuff that you say you should never share. You should never talk. Well, you're not this. You're not that. You just got to die to all that stuff, right? You just got to lay it all aside and die to it so that you can live. Because I know who you are. And if you never step into that, and you'll never, it's the same thing. I can tell Tyler all day long that he's called to this. But unless God calls him, he's never going to see it, right? That's why Jesus, that's why I was praying. I'm like, Jesus, you're the one that calls people. You're the one that sends people. You're the one that encounters people. You're the one that teaches people. You're the one that matures people. You're the one that settles people. You're the one that establishes people. You're the one that reveals to people. 
It's amazing. Because I can, I can sit, like, <laughs> so crazy. I remember, like Simon, I told you, he's sitting across from me telling me about his 10-year plan of business. And, he, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I feel like the Lord's saying that you're going to be a, I didn't tell him this. I felt like it, and I wrote it down. I feel like Simon's going to be in full-time ministry. So he's telling me about his 10-year plan of business and how he's going to do all this stuff. And I'm like, cool. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I wasn't being prideful. I'm like, maybe I'm wrong, but this is just what I feel. And I never told him that, right? Until he came and told me, hey, I feel like this is what, I feel like I'm not supposed to be doing this stuff anymore. I feel like this is what God's calling me to. I'm like, pretty cool. That's what I felt also. And I'm confirming, but if I tell him that, now I'm the one that's sustaining that word, right? I'm the one that needs to encourage him and continually to encourage him. Same thing with Taya. Like, I don't need to be the one that's telling her all these amazing things about herself, right? Until the Lord tells it, right? I can tell her all day long she's beautiful. Until the Lord tells her she's beautiful, she's not going to believe it, right? We, we, think that we're the, we, we think that we're the ones that bring the revelation, and it's the Father in heaven who reveals it to him. And I believe that, like, that's what he's inviting us into, like, going forward, is he's inviting us into a personal, in, intimate walk with him when there's nobody around. He's inviting us into a personal relationship with him when there's nobody around. Because there's things that he'll teach you that nobody else can teach you. There's things that he'll reveal to you that nobody else will reveal to you. And you can spend all day long reading the most amazing books in the world, and you'll never get it unless he reveals it to you. And that's amazing. I remember when I was in Bible college, my pastor said, he's like, the Lord has hidden to the whole class. He's like, the Lord has hidden revelation for you in your secret place with him. He's, he's hidden those things for you, right? He's hidden it for you. So it's like, he's like, I'm telling Peter, I'm, I'm going to make you a fisher of men, but it's, it's in your walk with me. And it's whether or not you answer the, the call to walk with me, right? It's, it's not going to happen by chance. It's going to happen if, you, if he pursues, if, you, if you're called to walk with him. And like some of us, I want to encourage us, like some of us have been listening to the wrong voices and been listening to the things that like you maybe feel like the Lord has spoken to you or told you things and then you're forfeiting those words because you feel like there's a better way or you feel like there's, you'll never be satisfied unless you do what he's telling you to do. You'll never be satisfied unless you be who he's calling you to be, right? It's like you can live all day long. Like if I, I can go back and I could probably make a bunch of money doing something else and I will be, I'll have a pit in my stomach because I'm called to something more, right? And I can't live like that. And there's a lot of people that are like that. And there's a lot of people that also believe that God has never, ever spoken to you, and you believe that that's not available for you, and it is, 100%. It might take some humility on your part to lay things down, but it's available for you. And it's a lot better when somebody feels like they're called. You can't, you can't, pull, them, you can't pull them out, right? You can't be like, hey, you just need to, like, chill out. They're like, no, I'm, I'm not going to chill out. I wouldn't say that either. I'd be like, you need to run faster probably, harder. But I believe that God is really opening. He's, in, he's inviting us to let flesh and blood not reveal things to us, but let the Spirit of God reveal things to us and let it be confirmed, right? Through, through what other people say and through, through community and let it be hashed out and walked out in community in a healthy way. Because like, and I've just been like convicted on it. It's like, you won't and I want to be a place like that. Like, you won't find a place that believes in people more, right? Like, I'm, I'm all for people just running. Like, I'm all for people, but I, I'm not the one that's going to encourage people to run, right? I'm not going to be the one that sends somebody to the mission field 
but I know what they're called and that's where they're, that's where they're supposed to be, then I'm going to be the one that puts gasoline on the fire 100%. Right? And I'm going to be the one that covers them and, and, and protects them and pursues them and, and make sure that they be all that they're called to be. Right? That's what I'm going to do with Valerie. I'm never going to call that dude, never going to tell him that he's going to do ministry. Right? But if the Lord calls him to go, then it, praise God. I heard, a, I'll fi- finish with this. I heard a guy, he said he was a, he was a musician and his son he had a son, gave his life to the Lord. He was smoking weed, um, reading Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, as a hippie in the 70s, and the Lord encountered him, gave his life to Jesus. And started, you know, walked away from all of it, started doing music for the Lord, all this stuff. He has a son, and he's like, the Lord's like, your son's going to touch nations with song. Um, and he goes, when he was born, and he's like, okay, didn't say it to him ever. Never had his son do any lessons or anything and never forced him ever to do music. And his, he's a musician. Never touched a guitar until he was 18, ever. And he's like, his son went to uh, YWAM, did, or I think it was YWAM, whatever, did a mission school. And he's in a different country and his roommate played the guitar. So he started like picking it up a little bit. Started realizing he's pretty gifted. Played it by himself. Played with his roommate. And then his dad came to visit. And he's like, hey dad, I, I want to tell you something. Like I've been playing he goes, and I wrote a song. I want you to hear it. He wrote it, and his dad's just like weeping. You know what I mean? He's like, <clears throat> he's like, man, he's like, what's, he's like, what's up? He's like, I've been waiting 18 years to, to hear that song. And he's like, and then he told him what he told him. He's like, this is what the Lord told me. And that, if you, ever, if you know Jonathan Helster, like, you ever hear, like, no longer slaves to sin? That's him, right? That was his story growing up. It's like, like, what a dad. Like, what a, like, what a father to, like, look at his son and be like, <clears throat> Like, I'm not going to be the guy that calls you. Jesus is. Like, I'm not going to be that dude that's going to try to send you. Like, because I'm going to have to be the one that's always encouraging you. Like, let, let Jesus be Jesus to people and then take your hands off. And it's like, you're never going to tell Jonathan Helser that, like, he's not called to it because Jesus told him, you know? And it's like, I just love that junk, dude. And it's like, that's what he's inviting each and every one of us into in our personal walk with him. It's like, I'm, I'm one of the most... If you sit there and tell me, if you give me any hint that, you're, that you want to do something crazy, I'm going to make you jump off the cliff, 100%. And that's, my, that's me and Taya. I'm like, let's do it right now. Whatever we're going to do, let's do it right now. What do you want to do? Yep, let's go buy it right now and do it right now. You don't have any money? Don't care. Let's do it. So it's like I have to tell myself, like, let, but when Jesus, I have to tell myself to let people encounter Jesus and not, like, push them, even though I know that they're called to this. But it's like I'm going to let people encounter Jesus. And I believe that he has hidden that revelation for everybody in their own secret place. And it's not just a revelation of who you are, but it's a revelation of who he is. Because you have to see who he is before you see who you are. That makes sense? All right. Stand with me. I'm going to pray for us and we'll be done. Jesus, I thank you. Father, I thank you that you're inviting us into this place. And it's not something that we're going to have to strive for. Father, I thank you that the door is flung wide open, and I pray that there is conviction on our hearts that it's available for us, that it just might look like us just spending 10 more minutes, 15 more minutes at our coffee table in the morning reading our Bible, but you've hidden revelation for us. And Father, I thank you that people have been stirred, people have been, um, you, Holy Spirit, you've been already drawing people, and I thank you that the resistance is going to stop and that they're going to yield to you. And Jesus, I thank you that you are inviting us into this deeper place of relationship and knowing you. And Father, I thank you that there is going to be, there's going to be true oil in our lamps. 
because we're, we're buying oil when there's nobody around. We're coming to you, Father, and we're seeking you when there's nobody around, and we're going to see the dividends in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed.